Hello and welcome back to a very special episode of Zap. My name's Jono. And I'm Beck. And since it's the holiday season, do we have a gift for you? Our soon-to-be number one best-selling crama, which is crime drama novel, uh, an undisclosed amount of fries, uh, part one, is here for your hearing pleasure. Uh, we've stitched together <laughs> the first five chapters of the novel, uh, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy a very special episode of Zap. An undisclosed amount of fries, chapter one. <clears throat> screams, screams everywhere. Poultry Valley hadn't seen a murder in 10 years, and now, 10 in 10 weeks. Screamed even seemed not enough to capture the true horror the town was feeling. The mangled fingers started appearing 11 weeks ago, and the only fingerprints left on them were those of the original owner. Detective <sighs> Harlan Sanders wasn't used to cases like these. Petty theft? Sure. Speeding down Main Street? He'd seen it here and there, but multiple murders? None of it made sense. His only clue was a rough, moist towelette, left at the scene of murder number five, Joe, most known for his participation in the annual local, th- local theatre musical and his vegetable store at the weekend farmer's market. Joe's Joe! <laughs> Not Joe! <laughs> Joe's finger had surfaced four hours before his body was found, taped to the number one on a payphone on Main Street. Gruesome. Detective Harlan Sanders still winces thinking about waking up to Joe's farm at market stall and peering behind the mound of fresh vegetables, herbs and fruits to find Joe's body lying behind. The previous four scenes had no clues, wiped perfectly clean. Joe's, however, revealed a moist towelette crumpled underneath a radish. It was a clue, but to what? Harlan knew this wasn't just a mass murder. This was an undisclosed amount of fries. That's what the folks down at the station call a crime beyond all crimes. It's slang. <laughs> then there's three dots because the chapter continues, but it's a slight change of scene. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. You still have to pay for that, Poppy Chicken said in a sing-song tone. The employee motioned her head towards a half-empty plate of fried chicken that was sitting on the counter. I can't give you discounts just because you eat here three times a day, yet somehow still have the body of a Greek god. (laughs) 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 Detective Harlan Sanders chuckled. I was going to, Poppy, he sighed. My mind is just all over the place right now. Sorry if I seem distant. It's just, I know, said Poppy quietly. It's affecting all of us. I don't think it's up to me to solve this. I can't do this on my own, Poppy. Poppy's wide green eyes softened as she leaned closer to Detective Harlan Sanders across the counter that currently separated them. I know you can. Harlan pulled $20 out of his back pocket and left it on the counter. Keep the change, he said. And Poppy? Yes, Detective Harlan Sanders? Have a plate of fried chicken ready for me come dinner time. Always. <laughs> As Detective Harlan Sanders stood from the spinny stool, he felt a presence behind him. Freezing momentarily out of caution, he checked out his reflection in the mirror, reflection in the mirror on the other side of the restaurant to get a glimpse at the mysterious posterior figure. Bucky! Harlan ch- chuckled with glee as he spun around and gave the figure a hug. Red Bucky was Detective Harlan Sanders' old friend from detective school. They'd been inseparable right until they were separated. (laughs) Red Bucky had been placed in the neighbouring town in their special fries unit. Special crimes (laughs) unit. (laughs) Harlan! Bucky took a step back and lifted the white fedora off his head. I wish I could say I was just here to say hello. What brings you to these parts then? replied Harlan. Chief Inspector sent me here to help you with the case. I know you don't need it, but she said the hot buckets of oil kept appearing and the fingers, they're calling him them the coleslaw killer on the other side of town. 
Say no more, Bucky. They're calling them that here too. I'm glad you're here. I do need it. Harlan thought about all he'd seen in the past 10 weeks. He did need the help. Who knew when the coleslaw killer would strike next? Maybe they already had. Chapter 2 It was well past midnight and Detective Harlan Sanders was pacing around his office. The tick-tick-ticking of the clock on the wall only added to the chaos inside of his mind. Tick, 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 ten in ten weeks. Tick, 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 severed fingers. Tick, 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 moist towelette. Tick, tick, tick. Detective Harlan Sanders stopped pacing and plunged his his fist straight through the face of the clock, bringing silence to his office and another clock to the ground. This would be the sixth clock that he's broken so far on the case. Unless he could make a breakthrough, it wouldn't be the last. And then I've got like a little, a a couple of dashes there to make a break. Persephone had been working as the station's <laughs> secretary for the past eight months. She loved the hustle and bustle of keeping the place organised amidst the madness, but the last ten weeks have been far more time-consuming than, than usual, both in the literal sense, but also due to the growing number of smash clocks she'd have to replace. <laughs> and she had to replace them. Persephone was hard-working and very organised, compulsively so. She spent every second of every minute in the workday on something or other. She was known to have a laser focus on whatever job she was doing. However... She didn't always have such good focus on the jobs that needed doing, and more often than not, on the more frivolous tasks. This week, for example, instead of assisting the station with paperwork and organising evidence, she spent two days creating an impossibly intricate Excel document to try and predict how many more clocks they'd need to order for every continuing week this case grows. Morning, Detective Harlan Sanders, Persephone chirped. Morning, he drearily, drearily, oh my goodness, he drearily replied. That's a tongue twister. Uh, Detective Harlan Sanders looked rough. His greasy white shirt and uncombed hair suggested he was still in yesterday's uniform. And on top of that, he looked like he hadn't gotten a wink of sleep, which was likely the result of him not getting a wink wink of sleep. (laughs) He closed the door behind him and started making his way toward the office before Persephone piped up again. Just so you know, I've replaced your clock again. Can you try to avoid smashing it till next order comes in in a week? Look, I'll do my best, but no promises, he replied. And with that, Detective Harlan Sanders moped over to his office, only to find it wide open. He knew he'd locked it last night and that there were sensitive documents inside. He grasped the pistol in his holster and inched over toward the door, staying ever silent, listening out for whoever or whatever had made his way into his office. As he approached the open door, it was clear someone had been here. Files and folders were open on his desk, confidential papers strewn across the table. Whoever had been here was looking for something. Detective Harlan Sanders drew his weapon and stepped into his office, scanning left to right. The room was clear, but as he holstered his weapon, something suddenly grabbed him from behind. Harlan drew his gun and spun around, only to see a familiar white fedora. (gasps) Morning, Harlan. Jeez, you look like you haven't slept a wink, Bucky chuckled. (laughs) Far out, Bucky. You scared me half to death. Harlan caught his breath. But no, I haven't slept a wink, he said, having not slept a wink. Is it really that obvious? Harland, I could pack most of my belongings into the bags under your eyes, Bucky answered. Anyways, sorry for the mess in here. I came in early to get up to speed on this case of ours. I don't suppose you're in the mood to go back out to the crime scene of murder number 10. I need to see one of these crime scenes for myself. Harland begrudgingly agreed, and after a pit stop for coffee and some chicken, they arrived at Danielle's, a deli famous for quality meats and the spiciest salami in the south. The detectives got to work. Bucky began dusting for fingerprints, checking for footprints, and taking samples of the telltale oil. 
Meanwhile, Detective Harlan Sanders began going door to door, asking neighbours if they'd seen or heard anything on the night of the murder. At this stage of the case, with no clear-cut suspects, everyone even remotely involved in this case had to be considered a potential suspect. Harlan stopped by the neighbouring restaurant Giovanni's to ask the owner, who'd, as you expect, was called Giovanni, (laughs) some questions. Well, 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 what do I owe the pleasure, Detective Sanders? I'm doing voices now. I I love it. it. (laughs) Giovanni mocked. Look, Giovanni, I'm just here to ask some questions, replied Detective Harlan Sanders. Like what? Where were you on the night of the murder? What was your relationship with Danielle like? Do you know of anyone who would have motive to kill her? I already answered your questions earlier in the week. I told you I had no gripes with Danielle, I don't know who would, and I was upstairs in my office doing taxes on the night of the murder. Harlan could see the interview was going nowhere, and so he decided to move on. But after an hour of equally unhelpful interviews, he decided to come back and see what Bucky was up to. And as he pushed open the deli's door, Bucky shouted, Harland, there you are. You're going to want to see this. Chapter 3 The deli was hot and steamy, much like the fried chicken that Poppy serves to Detective Harlan Sanders three times a day. The hot oil had left an unusually heavy air that wasn't pleasant to be around. What is it? Detective Harlan Sanders asked Bucky, adjusting his waistcoat so he could bend down and get a closer look at the evidence gripped between Bucky's sterile rubber gloves. I'd be damned if this isn't another moist towelette, replied Bucky, shaking his head. He wasn't damned, because that was another moist towelette. (laughs) (laughs) Detective Harlan Sanders leaned in closer and gave it a little sniff. Not too big, not just right, a little sniff. Rosemary, said Detective <laughs> Harlan Sanders. Why does this moist towelette not smell of the usual cleaning products, but instead rosemary? You think this has something to do with the other murders, Harland? asked Bucky, taking a little sniff of the moist towelette himself. Detective Harlan stood back up, put his hands on his hips and surveyed the deli. As his eyes wandered, so did his mind, back through the past ten murders. There had to be a link. So far, two moist towelettes at the scene. Was the coleslaw killer getting sloppy, or were they hoping to get caught? And what was with the scent of rosemary? Detective Harlan Sanders tried to think of the connection between the other nine and this one. There had to be something linking these together. It was right in front of him, and he couldn't seem to see it or smell it. And then there's a three dot dot dots for the for the oh. chapter con- to continue. <clears throat> yep. Detective Harlan Sanders lived in a large red house at the end of a long street. It was not modest. It was very large, but it was also very lonely. Such as a big, such a big house, and there was a lot of room to be filled with thoughts. Harlan stood at the edge at his large bedroom window, overlooking a field owned by, well, once owned by Mary Short, or as they knew her down at the station, victim number seven. His <sighs> eyes glanced down into the vegetable garden that stood at the back of the field. Inside it were rows and rows of vegetables and herbs. Herbs. Rosemary. Inside Detective Harlan Sanders' minds, dots were connecting. Not quite four dots connecting, but there were three dots coming together. Could this be the connection he was looking for? But what could it mean? Harlan took a sip of his herbal tea. A slight tingle arose in his throat. He coughed it away. The tingle arose again. Suddenly it was more than a tingle. 
He clutched to his throat. The tingle became all-consuming, attacking the throat. The teacup fell from his other hand and smashed to the floor. Both hands clutched his throat. He was gasping for air. Was he victim number 11? Suddenly a knock at the door. Harlan's eyes were going blurry. Detective Harlan Sanders, a familiar voice called. Poppy chicken, he tried to say, but it sounded more like Poppy rushed in to the side of Harland going blue in the face. She rushed over to him and began calling an ambulance. Don't leave me, Harland. Not now. I have a plate of fresh fried chicken for you and you have to find out who did this to you. Harland's hearing was going fuzzy too. Hello? Yes, I'm in front of the big red house in front of the field, said Poppy Chicken into the phone. Suddenly, black. Chapter 4. The room was dull and clinical. It was the kind of room you wouldn't want to live in for fear of death of boredom. When the wall, Even the wallpaper sat uncomfortably on the wall as if it would fold it off if no one was looking. Oh, goodness, that milk's done a number to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Poppy sat next to a cold metal bed. The only thing keeping her awake was the slow beeping of the heart rate monitor. Each little blip was assurance that Detective Harland would make it yet but also a reminder that he wasn't conscious, nor did she know when that would be. After hours of waiting by Detective Sanders' side, Poppy needed to stretch her legs. And again, more importantly, get out of that dreary room, lest she become bored to death herself, Mm. adding to the town's ever-growing mortality rate. She walked out of the room and down the hall to the right, locking eyes with the brightly lit vending machines she had become so friendly with during her stay. Poppy wasn't good at dealing with stress, but found comfort in food, and so given the circumstances, this vending machine was a bastion of hope. By now, Poppy had gone through almost all the cookies stocked in the machine, and so spent the next five minutes trying to decide on which bag of chips she wanted, eventually choosing some honey-soy chicken-flavoured ones. Poppy opened the packet and began snacking as she walked back toward the room to find it far busier than she left it. A doctor and two nurses crowded the bed with Bucky observing from the doorway. Poppy whispered to Bucky, Oh my gosh, I just stepped out for a minute. Is he okay? Doctor says he's waking up. His vitals look normal and he's looking to make a full recovery, Bucky replied. Detective Harlan Sanders slowly became aware of his existence again, and as he opened his eyes, he was blinded by the sheer unremarkability of the room around him. His mind instantly started racing about where or when he was, but those thoughts were stopped in their tracks by the case. The case! What happened to the case? Detective Harlan Sanders shot upright in his bed before being coerced back down by the medical staff. He could feel the strength returning to his limbs, and after the medical staff were happy with his condition, they left the room, but Detective Harlan Sanders wasn't waiting another minute. He leapt out of bed with vigour, ready to escape the grasp of medical care, but quickly found himself hitting the floor like a a newborn deer. He wasn't quite as strong or coordinated as he imagined, but nevertheless, he pulled himself up off the ground and using Bucky's white fedora, disguised himself. With fedora on and hospital gown flowing, he swiftly met it outside the hospital with Bucky and Poppy. It wasn't so much that his disguise worked, but more that the hospital was very busy, and if a patient had the strength to escape, they were probably healthy enough to leave. <laughs> and there's a little break here. Mm-hmm. Detective Harlan Sanders, now changed out of his gown and suitably comfortable, sat with a thud at his desk. He rewound his brain to the day of his poisoning to the dots that were connecting in his head at the time of the incident. Herbs. The herb in Mary... The herbs in Mary Short's... Oh, my goodness. The, her, the herbs the in Mary... The, yeah, uh, help! Pepper, check, yeah. check, yeah. 
<laughs> Anyways, herbs. Herbs. The herb in Mary Short, victim number seven's gardens. The herbs at Joe Spratt, victim number five's market stall. And of course, the herbal taste in his mouth as he fell to the floor. Was this pure coincidence? Or was there a herby undertone to these crimes? It didn't make sense for all the victims, but it was definitely an avenue worth exploring. Bucky! Harlan shouted into the corridor. I have a lead! Bucky ran down the corridor to meet the excited detective. Bucky, I need you to send officers out to all the crime scenes. We're looking for herbs or anything that can link the victims to herbs. With that, Harlan started hobbling toward the front of the building. Why herbs? Bucky shouted after him. Now's not the time for questions. Just see if you can find any, he replied. Bucky, although confused, sent out officers to all the crime scenes with the objective of finding herbs. Meanwhile, Harland had met it past the glares of Persephone, who was still adamant he shouldn't be working, and began to drive home. When he arrived, he walked behind the house to the veggie batch uh, next to the neighbouring field of victim number seven. He knelt down to inspect the herbs growing on the lattice at the edge of the patch. Hmm, black peppercorns. He didn't know how or if this information would be useful, but with little other leads, he had to get all the info he could. And after driving back to the station and surviving another wave of Persephone's glares, <laughs> Detective Harlan Sanders wrote the words Black Pepper on a small piece of paper and placed it under the name Mary Short on his corkboard of pictures, info and, and red strings that he had for all the victims and suspects. As he stood back to get a better look at the whole picture, there was a sudden knock at the door. Chapter 5 Detective Harlan Sanders waited by the corkboard, for fear he might have imagined the knock. Examining the red string linking the pictures together, he heard the knock again. Louder this time, and definitely real. Harland walked over to his door and went to turn the lock, but swiftly hesitated, fingers hovering over the lock. He had just been poisoned. Should he really be opening the door to any who daddy that knocked on the door? Detective Harlem Sanders took a few steps backward and cleared his throat. <clears> throat> Who is it? he questioned, trying not to let the subtle fear show in his voice. It's me, Bucky. Come on, Harland, open up, the voice panted. Harlan stepped towards the door again and started to twist the lock, but Bucky was already barging through the door before he even had time to think again. You were right, Harland, panted Bucky, holding up an evidence ba- bag in a tightly gripped fist. Herbs! Detective Harlan Sanders took the evidence bag from Bucky's hand. Peering through the plastic, he saw what he thought was time, said Bucky. 11.33pm, yelled Persephone from the other room. (laughs) (laughs) Detective Harlan Sanders had forgotten she was here. No, half Bucky, that right there is the herb time. And this, he pulled another evidence bag from his back pocket, is Basil. Detective Harlan Sanders took the second bag from Bucky's hand and walked over to the corkboard. But this strays away from your lead, Harland. He pulls a third bag from his back pocket. It was starting to become like a magic trick. This <laughs> seems to be paprika, Bucky said, which is a, not a herb, it's a spice. Detective Harlan Sanders took the third bag from Bucky and almost hesitated, semi-expecting another bag to pop out. But the magic trick seemed to be over. The real horror was beginning. Detective Harlan Sanders walked the evidence bag of paprika over to the corkboard and held it up next to the black pepper he had found earlier by the garden. Where did you say you found these, Bucky? I hadn't yet, replied Bucky. Well then, where did you find these, Bucky? asked Detective Harlan Sanders. Crime scenes number three, two and six. Time, 11.34pm, (laughs) yelled Persephone. Time was at number three. 
Basil, number two, and Paprika, crime scene number six. Herbs and spices, muttered Detective Harlan Sanders. Could that be it? Sounds promising to me, said Bucky. But who or what could it be connected to? Poppy... Oh, and then there's three dots. Do-do-do. Poppy Chicken was standing in the back kitchen at the restaurant, whistling her favourite tune and getting a fresh batch of fried chicken ready for the morning rush. Who knew when they added fried chicken, bacon and egg muffins to the menu six months ago that they'd become everyone's most important meal of the day. Poppy had headphones in and was somewhat blissfully unaware to most of her surroundings. Right now, it was just her, her tunes and the chicken. She picked up a fresh wing and coated it in egg yolk, then flour, then the herbs and spices that her restaurant is famous for, and then set it aside to be fried. The oil was almost hot enough. She went to pick up another wing when suddenly the wings were gone, along with the bowl of herbs and spices she had been using. The egg yolk had seemingly been left behind. She shrugged her shoulders in agreement, because if she was a thief, she too would have gone for the herbs and spices and the chicken over the egg yolk. (laughs) Snap out of it, Poppy, she thought to herself. Where did they go? She pulled her headphones out of her ears and looked under the counter to see if she had bumped them by mistake, but they had well and truly vanished. Crash, clang, ding. Pots and pans made monstrous clanging noises around her. Poppy spun around to face the fryer and hot oil, no more. The fryer was empty. But how? shrieked Poppy. Poppy ran out the kitchen door into the restaurant. Empty. It had just been her, her tunes and her chicken. Now it was just her. Or was it? Poppy rushed over to the restaurant's main door. Still locked. Quickly thinking, she went to the side door to find it half open, the morning breeze blowing in. Swinging open the door, she yelled the first thing that came to her mind. Where's my chicken? (laughs) Her, Her anger was met with more rushing wind, but no reply from the mysterious thief. She scanned the area for any clues, just like she knew Detective Harlan Sanders would want her to. She looked down and there was a rather familiar article of clothing. She'd never known anyone else to wear one of these. A white fedora. That right there concludes the first half of an undisclosed amount of fries. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed this little compilation and uh, we'll be back next week for the second half.